Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Is it well with your soul today? I hope so. We've been studying this for many weeks and many months so that no matter what's happening around us, no matter what is going on, good or bad, it will be well with our soul. No matter what's happening on the outside, on the inside, we will have peace. And so we've been looking these, at these stories where there's a well in that figures into the part of the story. It's so amazing. I didn't realize how many times a water well was part of the story. And yet we also see that these principles that God can teach us so that it can be well with our soul. We all go through difficult times. We all go through highs and lows. There are times of excitement and encouragement, and then there's times of discouragement and despair. But in those dark times is where we need to press into God. We need to hold on to him because if we do, if we follow these principles, if we put God's word into action in our lives, it will be well with our soul. And so if it's not well with our soul, it's something we need, to, we need to look deeper in. We need to ask ourselves, what's, what am I missing? What principle of God's word am I not following? What am I not obeying in God's word? Because if we are walking with the Lord, it will be well with our soul. I'll be honest with you, even as your pastors, there are times it's not well with my soul. There are times I worry. There are times I have fear. There are times where I get discouraged and depressed. And I'm being honest with you so you know that I'm real just like you, but I am committed to, to walking in freedom and overcoming these things, and we can through the power of God's word. And so we see our, our last sermon. We may only have one more to go, and then I'll be doing a new series. But Jesus met a woman at the well, and she had quite the reputation. And so Jesus offered her living water to cleanse her from her sin. And she put her faith in Jesus as the Messiah, and she left her water jar behind, and she ran back to town to tell everyone about Jesus and what he had done for her. Meanwhile, the disciples of Jesus were clueless about what was going on. This encourages us because the disciples were often like us. We don't know what's going on, and they didn't know what was going on, and so Jesus is trying to explain it to him. They didn't understand the bread. They didn't understand the water. And so now Jesus is going to try to explain to them the harvest. Look at John chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus said, Do you not say, four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So Jesus said, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? He says, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ripe to harvest. My first point this morning is this. Number one, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. Jesus often spoke of, in, in parables and mysteries, and, it, and just as Jesus wasn't speaking of literal food, he's not speaking here of a literal harvest of grain 
or fruit. He is speaking of the harvest of souls of people. Look at John chapter 4, verse 36 in the New Living Translation. The harvesters are paid good wages, and they, the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. And so we see that the harvest is people. When, when Jesus talks about the harvest and that it's ripe, he's talking about people are ripe for Jesus, ripe to become saved, ripe for heaven. The disciples couldn't see the harvest that was right in front of them. When Jesus is talking about the harvest, they're probably thinking, I don't see any fields of grain or fruit trees going on. They, they totally are missing it. The people are the ones that Jesus is trying to reach, and they're right in front of them. Sometimes we don't see the harvest around us. I want you to know, throughout your day, you encounter people who need to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every, every one of us, throughout our day, there's someone. If we will pray, if we say, God, bring me one person a day who needs to hear the gospel, God will answer that prayer, and we will have opportunities. We have opportunities, we just don't always see them or seize them. There may be someone that needs just an encouraging word from you, an act of kindness, an offer to pray. There are people in your day that are there that we don't even see sometimes. And so the, the disciples were only thinking of salvation for their people, the Jews. And Jesus was trying to get them to see that he had came to save, yes, first the Jews, but then the Gentiles. It's always been God's plan. From the book of Genesis, when he made prom promises to Abraham, God was not just going to save the Jews, he was going to save the whole world, including the Samaritans, who the disciples were taught to despise. The Samaritans didn't like the Jews, and the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. And what Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see is that, that God loves everyone. Here's something, here's something that may hit home to us. God, likes, God loves people that we may not like. So maybe we need to work on us, right? Because God loves everyone. You know this, and I love this in John 4.35 from the message. As you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months it'll be time for a harvest? Well, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. And then he identifies them. These Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. Jesus is telling them, come on, look at the Samaritans. They are ready for salvation. In fact, Jesus wanted them to understand that he came to save the whole world. Remember what Jesus said one chapter before this. We know this passage well, John 3, 16 and 17. Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus didn't come to condemn sinners. You know why? Because they're already condemned. They're already lost. They're already broken. And so, how I many you know when you're feeling down, the last thing you need is for someone to condemn you or, or be cruel to you or pile on? The world is lost. They're down. They're discouraged. There are people without Jesus that don't need to be condemned. They need to be saved. And so Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to save the world th through him. Every last person on earth matters to God. 
Everyone matters to God. And sometimes I don't realize that in my own life. I go through my day, I'm busy, I'm always, I'm, I'm, I try to fit into a tight schedule to, so I can get a lot of things done. And, and sometimes I'm so focused on working for God that I fail to see the people around me that he's called me to reach. And so we have to be mindful of that. That God wants to use us every day to share some truth, some encouragement, some light of the gospel. There's not one individual or one people group that is unloved by God. And so Jesus said, even now the reaper draws his wages and even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. Even now, he keeps saying even now. My second point is this, the harvest is now. It's not someday, it's now. In fact, the harvest is always ripe. People are always ready. Now, usually there was a period of four months between when you planted and when you harvested, when you sowed and when you reaped. There was a four-month period. But the harvest is not four months from now. The harvest is now. We don't know what's going to happen four months from now. My goodness, what a world we've been in. What a year it's been. Isn't it crazy? Now there's talk of going back on lockdowns and other pandemics that will be coming we don't know what's going on in four months, but so we better seize the day. The Bible says, redeem the time for the days are evil. And so the time of salvation is not tomorrow, not next month, not next year. The time of salvation is now. We are not promised tomorrow. We have no guarantees. There are no guarantees that we will make it till tomorrow. So how many know we better be ready for today? Today is all we have. And the time is now. And when God says the time is now, how I many you know you don't want to show up late? You want to be on time if God says the time is now. When I worked in North Dakota in the oil industry, I lived in the southwest corner of the state of North Dakota. And in the southwest corner of the state of North Dakota, they are on mountain time. But the rest of the state is on central time. And so I've never lived like that before where part of the state is on one time frame and another part of the state is on, a, on another time zone. And so I'll never forget my first meeting I scheduled. I'm the new guy, branch manager, got to make sure I show up and, and represent. Well, I showed up all right an hour late because it, the meeting was just on the other side of the time zone, just right on the other side. And so after that, I was determined I am not going to be late, man, I had my watch ready. I, I wanted to make sure that I was, because then you have to subtract an hour and add an hour. It was crazy. And so we need to be mindful of the time because we don't want to be late. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think of friends of the past that have passed away and I wondered, should I have done more? Anybody ever felt like that before? Should I have said more should I have reached out to them because we never know we never know when someone's going to pass into eternity and so we need to be ready we need to be looking for the opportunity the open door to share the good news of Jesus Christ remember it's good news not bad news it, it matters how we share it <laughs> we share it like it's great news and Jesus went on to say, the saying is, one sows and another reaps. Number three in, in my notes, the harvest requires teamwork. 
I mean, no, we can't, I can't do this alone. We can't do this alone. Several different people are instrumental in the salvation of one soul. We each play a part in a person coming to Christ. Think about it. Think about your own, your own journey, your own spiritual journey. Think about the key people that God brought into your life at different times through your life to share the gospel, just a seed, to plant a seed. Even me as a raised in a Christian home, when I saw people being baptized, I wanted to get baptized. I wanted to swim in that tank, man. I, that looked cool up there, people splashing around, pastor holding you under the water. And so when there was an altar call, I was in a Baptist church, and how many know baptism is important? And so there was an altar call. I came forward because I wanted to get in that tank. So the pastor intercepted me, said, what are you here for? I, I want to get baptized. And he said, well, can you pray a prayer? And I said, dear Jesus, thank you for the food. Amen. Let's go. <laughs> so he realized he, there needed to be a little further explanation. Even though I was raised in a Christian home, the pastor led me to Christ at five years of age. And so I want you to know that in your journey, God sent people into your path. Do you realize that? I mean, it was not accident. It was a sovereign ordination of God. It was an appointment from God. God sent people into your life. I think of my parents, my dad and my mom, who were not raised in Christian homes. The Lair the clan was pretty bad. They were rough, rough people. A lot, of, a lot of problems, a lot of addiction problems. And then God sent people into the lives of my mom and her siblings and my dad and his sister. Amazing stories. How we know it was a divine appointment. So God wants to use you and me that way. And so we, we need to be ready because we never know when now is the time. And so we all play a part. Some play a very prominent role. Some have a very smaller role, but it's still vital. It's still important. You see, sometimes we think we got to get them to say the sinner's prayer, but that may not be what you're called to do at that moment. It may just be to, sh to plant a seed. But we, ha we each have a role, great or small. When I was in college, I owned a Plymouth Horizon TC3. It sounds a whole lot cooler than it was. Man, it was a hatchback and it was a piece of junk this car was a piece of junk it was always breaking down and one of the things that broke down the most was in the alternator and so you know I was taught you don't ever buy a new alternator you buy a rebuilt alternator you know what I'm saying for one thing it's a lot cheaper so I kept buying rebuilt alternators that would only work for like six months how many alternators did I buy when I could have bought a new one from the manufacturer? And so sure enough, my alternator went out and I was able to get my car to my dorm area and had somebody give me a ride to go buy a rebuilt alternator. And I got that rebuilt alternator and I got under the car and realized I had parked in an anthill. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I, I, I have to replace this alternator. And so I got my friend Timmy... And Timmy had had knee surgery, so he could barely walk, had a big old splint on his leg. And I said, Timmy, I need your help. He goes, I can't help you. I can't do anything. I don't know anything about cars. I can barely move. I said, Timmy, I just need you to, t I just need you to sit right here. And I was wearing shorts and tank top. I said, just sit there. And when I tell you where the ant is biting, pick it off of me. And that's exactly what we did. And so I laid there. I said, oh, Timmy, right knee, right knee, right knee. 
he picked the ant off my right knee. Oh, Timmy, left ankle, left ankle, get that ant. So Timmy had a role to play. <laughs> I could not have changed that alternator without him picking off the ants, bless God. I wonder why these things happen to me. Now you know, for your sake, for your enjoyment. So whether it's changing the alternator or picking the ants off somebody, we have a part to play. Many different people serve a certain purpose in the salvation of one single soul. Think about how many people God invests in one person. Because God so loves the world, he loves that one person. That he will inconvenience us. He will make us park on anthills. He'll do whatever it takes to reach that one person person look at first corinthians chapter 3 verse 6 through 9 paul was talking to the corinthian church and he says i planted the seed apollos watered it he was another apostle but god made it grow how many know no matter what we do it takes god nothing's going to grow without god you're not going to grow as a Christian without God. This church is not going to grow without God. Now, we can water and we can plant seeds, but God brings the growth. Verse 7, so neither he who, who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his labor. Did you hear that? You will be rewarded when you plant seeds, when you water seeds of the gospel. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Isn't that awesome? We get to work with God. We are employed in the salvation of souls with God Almighty. He is our, we are his, we are his workmanship. We are his house. And so some plant, some water, and some reap. I want you to know, when it comes to plants, I don't have a green thumb. I have the thumb of death. I can kill any plant, even plastic ones. I am so bad with plants that Jolene found me one that doesn't require much water or care because you're not getting that from me. I'm not a plant dude. And and guess what? That plant is still alive, bless God. Almost a year now. I have not killed it. It may be plastic and she just didn't tell me. I don't know. But sometimes we're called to plant. Sometimes we're called to water. Just water the seed. And so we don't have to get everyone to pray the sinner's prayer on the spot. That may not be what, where they're at on their journey with God. But we can water the seed that's already been planted. People need to see Christians at their best, not at their worst. Amen? They need to see us as people of kindness and compassion and gentleness. All the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy. The world should envy us for our joy. Because we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. The world wants happiness, but we've got joy. Or at least we're supposed to. And so that's, that's something, I'm telling you what, you can be a witness without even saying anything or saying much. People will be drawn 
to the joy of the Lord in you and the kindness in you and the compassion. We can plant and we can water, but only God can bring the growth. We have the privilege of being fellow workers with God in his field and in his house. Now listen, this woman became a fellow worker of God. I love this. She had the worst reputation. Nobody liked her. Had five husbands, was living with a guy who wasn't her husband. All the women in town hated her guts. Nobody would have chosen this woman. No one would have chosen this woman but God. Because think about it. Jesus told her the gospel and she went nuts and told the whole town. Sometimes you got to just tell the right person, you know what I'm saying? Jesus didn't have to tell the whole town. He had to tell one woman. And that, now don't, the guys, you're snickering. Listen, I'm not going there. You're, you're tempting me. You're baiting me into it. I sense it. And you don't know how bad I want to go there. But my wife's on camera and I will be in serious trouble. But see, you never know the potential impact of leading one person to Christ. You may lead one person to Christ and they may lead thousands. So we, we need to be mindful of this person. And I want you to understand, no one is too lost for God to save. No one is too far gone for God to save. And I'll tell you what, the worst sinners become the best saints. I'm telling you, you know, he who has been forgiven much loves much. There are people in my life, I've used, I would say, you know what? If they would get saved, they would change the world. And they're, they're a heathen, they're a sinner, they are lost. But if they could get saved, look out, devil. They're going to become a devil stomper. John 4, 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He sent the worst sinner back to that town who had become the best saint. And everybody wanted to see who can do this? Who has the power to change someone like this? And so Jesus said to his disciples, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Number four, the harvest needs workers. The problem is not with the harvest. The problem is a lack of harvesters. The problem is not with the sinner Problems, there's not enough saints. The harvest is always ripe. It's always ready. It's the workers that are few. Isn't it been a strange phenomenon where there's a lot of jobs out there that, but people don't want to work? Because if you can get paid for not working, come on, that's... And so... It's, it's just really interesting. And I know there's more dynamics than that, but I've never seen this before where there's, there's a lot of people are begging for jobs, begging to hire people. They're even offering signing bonuses. If you'll work at McDonald's, you'll get a signing bonus. I haven't seen that since North Dakota where you could make $30 an hour working for McDonald's 
and a $250 signing bonus, and if you stayed six months, they'd give you a, a color television. So I flipped burgers, man. No, I didn't, but I was tempted to at times. And so a lot of jobs. And you know what? There are a lot of workers. They're just not willing. Many are not willing. Now, some that are, but many are not. It's same is true in the church, in, in, the, in the kingdom of God. The, there's plenty of opportunity. We just don't have enough workers. And that Jesus said this, this is going to be a challenge. And so look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus tells us what to do about it. He, he knows there's going to be not enough workers. Verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Do you, do you see that? Jesus was delivering people from their disease, their addictions, their demons, their sicknesses. That's what the church is supposed to do. Amen? We're to, we're, to be, we're to chase away demons, set people free, and break addictions and break the power of sin. That's what the church is for. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Do we have compassion on the crowds? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest Therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to pray. We're to ask. If we can't go, how many know we're to pray? I want you to know that there are ministries of the church that are reaching the harvest. There are people right now, in fact, Celebrate Recovery goes out every week, Saturday morning, door to door, inviting people to be free. Don't you love that? That fires me up. Do you know there are people after our prayer time on Sunday nights that take tracks and go around our neighborhood? I didn't start that. They started it all on their own and I blessed it. I also want to let you know that we're going to have tracks available in the foyer in the next week or two with the church name and contact information. And I hope you'll take one or two or three every week and say, Lord, I want, lead me to someone that I can give this track to. That's all you have to do. You don't have to know the whole Bible backward and forward. You don't have to have all a, a theologic, a degree in theology. I can't even say it. Obviously, I don't have one. You don't need all that. All you need is Jesus. Just tell him your story. You were blind and now you can see you are lost and now you're found come to church with me and pastor james will get you saved you bring him we'll save him you know we all have a part to play we have all have a job to do we need people to give we need people to go we need people to serve and we need people to pray i want to encourage you if you if you don't know where else to go come on sunday nights and pray with us it takes nothing to pray. Just pour out your heart to God because we're not going to get anywhere without prayer. This is why we have been doing Sunday night prayer for over a year now. You know why? Because nothing will happen until we pray. And it takes years sometimes of prayer before there's a breakthrough. And so I'm committed to Sunday night prayer. You know what the reality is? 
we are reaping what other people planted. We are benefiting from the investment of others. Think about the people who built this church, who built this campus. They sacrificed so that we could worship here. Think of those, there are, there are times this church has sent millions of dollars to missions. There have been revivals in this church. Anybody remember Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames? Raise your hand if you remember that. Oh my goodness, a play with not real, not real excellent actors, right? Not professional, not the greatest props, but people got saved and saved and saved and saved. And so I'm telling you, I want to see it again. Maybe not through heaven's gates and hell's flames because God always does something new. The, the danger is we try to repeat what's already been and that doesn't work. God wants to move in a new way. And so I'm deeply grateful for those who have gone before us. We have had a great history. We have had people that have made such great sacrifice so that we can be here. But you know what? Our best days are not behind us. They're ahead of us because they invested in us and we need to fulfill that investment. And I believe God wants us, this place to be full. I, I, want, I, I look forward to who God is going to bring. Man, bring me those with tattoos and piercings and purple hair. Some of you all have purple hair. It's okay. Uh, whatever it may be. They may have long hair, no hair. They may have, be like me and in between. Whatever it may be. I don't care. Bring them. Bring them. Aren't you in agreement? We want to open our arms to the lost. And they're, they're not always going to act like us. They're not always going to look like us. But Jesus loves them. And we need to receive them. I told you about the time when a young man walked in here with a ball cap on. And someone told him to take it off. And he left and never came back. We can't do that can't do that. You know, sometimes my son wears a ball cap to church. I'm just glad he's in church. I don't care about the ball cap. I don't care if it's jeans or shorts. I don't care. Flip-flops, bless God. We're going to open our arms to the lost and say, Jesus, send them to us. We'll take care of them. We'll get them saved and we'll get them in the right relationship with the Lord. Those who have gone before us have done the hard work. I've done a lot of funerals for people who invested in us. And so I just, you say, Pastor, what do, you, what do we need to do? We need workers. First of all, we need to pray. We need to pray for workers. And then we need workers. You heard it in the announcements. We need children's workers. We need youth workers. We need people to help with the audiovisual. We need musicians. We need singers. Because this house is going to be full and so we're believing for another harvest. God's not done with Bakersfield First Assembly. There's time for another harvest, but the time is now. The time is now. We can't put it off. We can't say someday, it's now. And I love it because people are just doing it. They're reaching their neighbors. They're bringing their friends. I'll tell you, ministries are happening. I, I prayed for Celebrate Recovery for eight or nine years. I wanted our church to have a recovery ministry. And I shared with them last night, had the privilege of going, Scott taught an awesome message on forgiveness. And I was able to tell them that 
you're a dream come true. You're an answer to prayer. Because you know what? When people come to Jesus, they're going to need help. They're going to need help untying all the past in the world and the, and the, the bondages and the addictions and the sins. They're, they're going to need help and we need ministries that can help people be free. Because it's not always instantaneous, it's a process. And we need to help them take the steps so that they can be a soul winner themselves. Will you believe with me? You feel my heart, my passion. We gotta reach the lost. We gotta do more. We gotta ask God, help us be creative. Help us think of new ways to reach those who have yet to hear I'm telling you what, we could fill every church in Bakersfield five times over and we still would barely make a dent. The harvest is ready. It's ripe. Let's pray. Would you stand with me? Will you join with me in prayer that we would work the harvest, that we would find our place and that we would serve, we'd invite our friend and our neighbor and our enemy our boss might be the same thing. But we will pray. And we will go. And we will give. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Bakersfield First Assembly of God. Lord, what a rich history we have. So many salvations. So many missionaries. The gospel has gone out of this place in such a great way. And Lord, we're not trying to pat ourselves on the back. Lord, we're trying to fire ourselves up that you've done it before. You can do it again. You've done it before in this house. You can do it again. And we're going to ask you to do it again. We're going to believe that you're going to do it again. We're going to give. We're going to serve. We're going to go. We're going to do whatever it takes so that you will visit us again. Holy Spirit, come in this place once again. Brood over these waters. Call the lost, Lord, as they drive by, as they walk by. Draw them into this place and may they say, what must I do to be saved? God, use us, each and every one of us. Give us a burden for the lost like we've never had before, God. May we see people as you see people. Broken, lost, and alone. Lord, may we not condemn and judge the world because the world's already judged. It's already condemned. Lord, let us save the lost. There are so many in bondage, so many broken, so many hurting, and the church is the answer. And Lord, I don't just pray for Bakersfield First Assembly. I pray for every church in this community that lifts up the name of Jesus. May revival break out in Bakersfield like we have never seen it before. May churches be filled to capacity, to overflowing. May the churches work together as one. May they come together and believe you for great things, God. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Go out with this blessing. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May there be a glow on your face. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you. You're free to go. You're free to come to the altars and worship and pray. But you're free to go at this time. Thank you for tuning in today. We are so excited that you joined us. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word, born again, all one word, to 94090. 
By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California. At 4901 California Avenue, we would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.